Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Verse 18, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be like for you? It'll be darkness and not light. It'll be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and he rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? I hate it. I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. House of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the 40 years in the wilderness? But you have taken up Sukkoth, your king, and, uh, and Kaiwan, your star god, images you have made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. He has spoken. Let me pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you again that we get to dive into your scripture and into your word. We, we have the Bible because you gave it to us, God. You, give, you gave us your word so that we can know how to grow closer to you. We can know uh, what honors you and what dishonors you. So, Lord, as we read this passage and, and study it a little bit today, Lord, I just pray that we can get a good image of what it is you want us to know, God. Maybe there's some things in our lives that we need to change based on this passage. So, God, uh, just be with us as we search our hearts today through this, through this uh, sermon. We love you, God, and we thank you, and we praise in your name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Let me go ahead and get started. I want to tell you guys a quick story. Um, uh, who, does anybody remember what my first job I ever had was? I've told it before. What was it? Oh, I'm sorry. You're, yes, you are right. My first full-time job is what I meant to say. Full-time job. Anybody remember? What do you think? Oh, close. That was, that was at the ice rink. I was, uh, I was, what was it? Oh, that was my second part-time job. All right. What was it? Yeah, I was a bank teller at, at PNC Bank, which formerly was National City Bank, and then it became PNC. Very cool. Very cool. Well, the one thing that was uh, cool about working at the bank was you get to handle a lot of money. I told you that for the... Uh, in my lifetime, I was able to see a million dollars in bills just sitting there. My, my boss was like, you want to see a million dollars in cash? I was like, yeah. So we went into the vault, and I just looked at it. And I was like, that's it? Like, I thought it would be more than that, right? It's not, it's not that big of a pile, all right? So, so anyways, uh, it was a really cool job. I got to learn how to deal with people. I got to uh, learn a lot of interesting things there. And so in my first couple of weeks working there, my manager comes up, and she says, Matt, I need to talk to you. So she bring, takes me off to the side. I go off to the side, and she says, um, I want to show you something. And I said, what is it? Her name was Stephanie. I said, what is it, Stephanie? And she, she holds up this bill, and it looked like a Monopoly bill, right? Clearly was fake, wasn't real. And she said, have you seen this before? And I said, no. And she goes, you have. And I said, I haven't. And she goes, you have. I, this was in your drawer. And I said, what? And what had happened is a guy had come in and was depositing money into his account and put a couple of fake bills in there. A couple, it was a fake couple of hundred dollar bills, and so we credited him a couple hundred bucks based on this fake bill. So they eventually found out who it was, and he got in trouble for it. But I remember when she showed me that, instantly my blood went cold. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've been scammed, I've been, I've been hacked, you know? And, and it really was kind of a, it was a, I don't know, I, it was just a bad feeling, right? So my manager says, don't worry, we're going to bring in, um, we're going to bring in our loss prevention specialist. This guy's going to show us how to find fake money. So he comes in, and this guy actually had a pretty cool job. Like his job was to go around and 
uh, inspect checks to see if they were real or fake, and then he would inspect money. And, and so he's shown us all these fake checks, all this fake money. And uh, one of the girls, after like a day of training, this girl raised her hand. She goes, so, so how, do you have a list of all the fake things that we should be looking for in money? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you can tell that a money is fake because it's not real. And we were just like, okay, got it. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Okay, right. And he goes, and what I mean by that is you, you only know if a bill is a counterfeit is if you have studied the original so much that you can tell that it's a fake. And so he says, for instance, watch this. I, for the next day, all we did was study what a real $100 bill looks like. It's got the micro, or it's got the strip down that has the, the magnetic strip inside, you can tell. And, and you get to a point where you can feel money and know if it's real or, or fake. It got to a point where I could literally close my eyes and he would give us stacks of bills and he'd say, find the fake in it. And we'd be sorting through and I'd be like, here it is. And you can just tell because you know it so well. You know it so well. And so what we're going to do, um, and ho hopefully we've been doing this for you guys, is in Genoa students, our goal is to not, it, it, the goal is to show you what real faith looks like, and then whenever you venture off of it, you can tell if your, your faith is fake or not. And our message today is called, Faith is Not Dot, Dot, Dot. You see the rhyme there? You see how that rhymes? Hopefully that'll help you remember, all right? Faith is not dot, dot, dot. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a couple things that faith is not based on how Israel responded. Now, our series that we've been doing is called Mirror Image. Olivia, how are you? This is Olivia's first time. Everybody give her a big round of applause. Go ahead. There we go. All right. <laughs> Olivia's like, I'm never coming back. Thank you. All right. No. Well, we're glad to have you, Olivia. We've been studying the book of Amos for like the last, what would this be, week seven now, I think, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Um, but we're going through the book of Amos. We're calling it mirror image because as you read, that, good job, good job. You've got a real $20 bill. What's that? That's a real $20 bill. Let's move on. So anyways, um, so we've been going through the book of Amos, and the book of Amos is about Israel, how these guys, Oliver, this is a book about how uh, Amos has been commissioned to go to Israel and tell them what they're doing wrong. Israel and God have a really good relationship for the, for the Old Testament until Israel starts wandering off the beating path and they, they disobey God. They turn their back on God. And as we were reading in the book of Amos, preparing for this message, we called it mirror image because we said, man, Israel is a lot like the United States in a lot of ways. They're, they're doing a lot of things, a lot of sins that we are struggling with. So um, as, we, as we go into this, my open, this is my question for you guys today, and this is really what I want you to ask yourself is this. Ready? Is your faith real? Is your, did you know it, Oliver? I'm very happy for okay. you. Thank is your you. Real. Real. Okay. <laughs> Oliver, God bless you, sir. All right. Is your faith real? So I want you guys to really ask yourself this question because the reality is, is that there are people in this room, okay, there are people in this room right now who when you die, you will not go to heaven. And that's kind of a Debbie Downer here, but, but this is the reality. Is it, it is not, who did that? Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Bless you. Bless you. All right. There's no coming back from that. All right. So the question, is your faith real? And, and what, I, what I really want you to think about today is, is it's, it's unrealistic for me to think that 100% of the people in this room are going to go to heaven when they die, right? It's unrealistic for me to think that 100% of you guys are going to live fully for Christ. There's a very good chance that a lot of you guys are coming to church. You're, you're hearing what I'm saying. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're going to graduate, go to college, and you may wander away from God. 
And, and obviously, this is not what we hope. We, we don't want that to happen. I want all of, I'd love to see all of you guys in heaven. But, but ask yourself this question today, is, is your faith real? Because I'm convinced that a lot of you guys in here are, are acting a lot like Israel and that you're doing things that Israel did, which kind of shows that you don't have a real faith. So I'm going to show you three things that, or that, that Israel, with their faith, that they, that they weren't doing. And, and I'm going to show you what their faith is not. Essentially, we're going to look at counterfeit faiths today. I said right, faiths today, all right? Here we go. Let's look at point number one. Here it is. Faith is not, uh, what's, what's the answer here, Oliver? You didn't know this one. Transferred. Faith is not transferred. Write that down, okay? Uh, let me reread you verses 18 to 20. Here it is, ready? 18 to 20 says, Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be for you? It'll be darkness and not light. It'll be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home. He rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness to it? So, uh, we're, this, these first couple of verses talk about this phrase, the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, if you are a believer, the day of the Lord is going to be a great, great day, okay? The day of the Lord is when, you know, God is going to come back. We get to be with God forever. We get to reign or we get to, to worship him forever. For believers, the day of the Lord is a great time, all right? For unbelievers, is the day of the Lord a good time? No. No. It's a time of judgment. It's a time, and, and honestly, it's a time of wrath, okay? This is where God is bringing judgment. What we see here is that Israel have, they're, they're under this impression that when the day of the Lord comes, things are going to be really good for them. And Amos is like, I hate to be the one to spoil this, uh, this <laughs> or break this news to you, but when the day of the Lord comes, you guys are not going to be happy. In fact, you're going to be pretty upset, right? I mean, what does he say? He says that it's, it's going uh, to be darkness rather than light. He's saying, he's saying, look, you guys think one thing. You think that, that this, this faith that you have is going to save you. You think it's a genuine faith. But guys, it's not, right? They, um, they, they felt, does anybody know why Israel felt secure in this? Like, any ideas why, why does Israel feel like, oh, we're good. When the day of the Lord comes, we're set. Anybody have any idea why? What do you think? Anybody? What do you think, Nevaeh? Yeah, that's a great answer. She said, because they were the Lord's people. That's a great answer. Th think about this. God chose Israel, okay? He chose them. He freed them from Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. He did all these amazing things for Israel. And so if you're part of Israel, you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, I'm God's chosen people, right? We're God's chosen people. Things are going to be great for us. They essentially, the, it was the faith of their ancestors that they were relying on. And this is why I say point number one, faith is not transferred. You guys realize that because your parents have faith does not mean that you have faith, right? You realize this, right? A lot of people, a lot of people think that because, uh, and, and, I've, and I'm not just guessing about this. I've asked people this. I say, hey, um, uh, you know, do you, are you a Christian? And they're like, well, my parents made me go to Sunday school when I was a kid. So yeah, I'd say so. And I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? You have no relationship with Christ. A lot of people think just because your mom and dad make you get out of bed and come to church, if you come to church, if you sing enough with the, the worship team, that everything's going to be great. And guys, that's really not the reality of it. You, we've talked about this before. You can come to church your whole life and still not go to heaven. You can give 10% of your, you can tie to the church, 10%, give money to the church your whole life and still not go to heaven. You can come in here and sing every worship song, even with your hands raised, and still not go to heaven. We're aware of this, right? 
And this is the problem with Israel. Israel thought, oh, hey, hey, look, look, we're, we're, we're doing what we need to be doing. Don't worry, guys. Our parents and our ancestors, God loved them. That's going to transfer down to us. Guys, this is a big, huge thing for you guys is I want to encourage you, you know, find, make your faith your own, okay? Don't rely on the faith of your parents. If your parents are good, godly people, it doesn't mean you're a good, godly person, okay? You have, to, you have to find this faith in God yourself. So point number one is that your faith is not transferred. And, and what's funny about this is when you talk about a, uh, a complete, like, how do I say this? Like, uh, like they're going to be extremely stunned when the day of the Lord comes, right? It's like you're expecting the ending of a movie, and then you're like, oh, okay, here we go. And then there's a twist that happens. You go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. This is exactly what Israel was going to face. They're just like, oh, the day of the Lord is coming, right? And then they stand before God, and God's like, uh, this is not going to be good for you. And they're like, what? And the reason is because they didn't know God. They, they didn't seek God anymore. When I was dating my wife, God, gentlemen, every, every guy, you need to look at and hear this story because this is going to save you some, some heartache in your relationships, all right? When I was dating my wife, we had been dating for six months, and my wife, uh, she says, hey, we should go out and eat for our anniversary. And I said, all right. I was like, it's not really an anniversary. I mean, it's six months. It's not, a, it's not a year anniversary. But anyway, so six months for us was a long time, all right? And so we go to this nice restaurant, and my wife says, okay. And she got me this really thoughtful gift. My wife is really good at gifts. And then she said, um, she said uh, okay, what would you get me? And I said, here we go. And I, give her, I gave her a gift bag, and she opened it up. And inside of the gift bag was a $50 Walmart gift card, all right? And my wife, if you, if you know my wife at all, this was not a present that she liked. She looked at it and she just goes, uh, what is this? I was like, it's your gift. Happy anniversary. I like winking at her and stuff. And she just goes, she goes, and she tells me straight up, she was like, this is awful. And I was like, what do you mean this is awful? She goes, why didn't you get me something? And, and, and guys, I, maybe I'm speaking for all girls here, but you know, sometimes it's good to put thought into your gifts, all right? And so this happened years later. It's my wife's birthday, and so I bought her a movie, Les Miserables, right? Like a really good movie, but I wanted it for my movie collection too. So I bought it for her, and she just goes, is this my gift? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh my gosh. She goes, when will you ever learn? We have a very honest relationship, apparently. She'll tell me when I don't get good gifts. And so what's funny is, especially with the Walmart gift card, if I had known my girlfriend at the time just a little bit better, I would have known, hey, this is not how my wife is shown love. Like, you know, you don't just get her a gift card and essentially say, hey, you go buy your own gift, right? And this is what I did. I didn't know her enough. Now, obviously, after 12 years of marriage, I can look back and say, what a stupid move, right? And I know now, never get my wife a gift card to Walmart, okay? So, so I, I didn't know her. Guys, in the same way, Israel did not know God. They, they thought they did. They thought that because their parents had set up these rituals and all this stuff, they said, as long as I do these things, we'll be good. But guys, they didn't know God. So ask yourself that question. Is your faith transferred? Like, do you think that you're a Christian only because your parents make you come to church? All right, so ask yourself that question. All right, so that's point number one, all right? Is your faith your own? Here's point number two. Oliver? Faith is not part-time, all right? Faith is not part-time. Anybody here ever had, how, we got some seniors in here, right? Got a couple seniors, some juniors. You got, <laughs> I love when Mary raised her hand. When Mary trying to get that discount, I see, I see what's happening, all right? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, juniors or seniors in high school? Let me say it that way. Anybody? Who in here has a part-time job? Anybody got a part-time job? Okay. Where are you working at, Andy? 
Kroger. Nice. Hey, I, I respect it. Where are you working, Oliver? Nice. That's pretty good. Thank you for the uh, telling us how much you make. That's great. All right. So, so we all, um, uh, the reason I'm saying this, faith is not part-time, let me read this passage and then we'll dive into it. This is verse 21 to 23. All right, here it is. Guys, if you, if you were questioning how God is feeling in this passage, don't, like this, this will sum it up right here. Ready? I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. So take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Could you imagine like uh, Kyle and Alex are up here and they're singing worship and you're singing to God and God just goes, no, not, no, I'm, I don't accept it. You're like, wait, what? And the thing is, these guys here, the reason that God is not accepting their worship is because these guys are what I want to call uh, part-time believers, Part-time believers, okay? We are not called to worship God half of the time. God doesn't want us to just live a part-time Christianity, all right? Anybody ever heard the term creaster before? Anybody ever heard this term creaster? All right, do you know what it is? Yeah, so this is a term that was coined in the church. A creaster is somebody who comes on Christmas and Easter only, all right? They also call them CEOs, all right? Christian and Easter only, all right? These are people who they never give God the time of day during the year except for Christmas and Easter. Why? A lot of times it's because mom asks them to, right? They say, come, please, come on, it's Easter. Come to church with me. And they say, okay, mom, all right, and then they go. All right, people who are creasters, I don't even know that I'd call them part-time believers, right? I mean, that's like extremely part-time, all right? But the thing is, God didn't like their worship because when you're a part-time Christian, your worship is not genuine. You're, you're Essentially, you're a hypocrite, okay? Meaning you come to church, you worship God at church, you do all these, these things uh, in here, you join your small groups, maybe you contribute to small group, but then when you get outside of church, you go back to your old ways, that's called hypocrisy. We've talked about this before. You say one thing and you do the complete opposite when you're outside of church. And the problem was is Israel was exactly like this. Do you, you see what God's or what Amos is saying for God? He says, he says, look, I don't, uh, he says, um, you're going to give me your offerings. I won't accept them. Okay. Remember, we've, we've talked about this before that if you have a problem with somebody and you're trying to offer God something, he's going to say, fix your problem because you can't worship me while cursing your brother, right? It's, it's, it's impossible. And he's saying, you know, I'm, you're going to give me these offerings. I'm not going to accept them. Uh, look at this. I have no regard for your, um, or I'm sorry, he says, uh, I can't stand your assemblies or your feasts. I mean, clearly Israel was coming together, right? They were coming together for church, you could say, but it wasn't genuine. It wasn't a real faith. And so God didn't honor it. I think we forget that God sees what we do in church and what we do outside of church. I forget that sometimes. Like, I'm just like, ooh, God's watching, you know, <laughs> right? And the thing is, he sees exactly what you're doing here, and he especially sees exactly what you're doing outside of church. And if, if those things, if those don't match, okay, then your faith is probably not genuine. You're probably a part-time believer. Hey, guys, I'll be honest with you. When I was a teenager, I was great at being a part-time leader. I was great. I was involved in the youth band. I did all this stuff. My dad volunteered me to come help at the church all the time. But then when I'd get outside of church, like luckily I had friends who encouraged me to walk right with God. I had a friend, I told you, my friend Mike, he'd be like, dude, stop talking that way. And I'm like, what? And he'd be like, stop talking that way. And it's like, you need friends like that to help you be full-time believer, okay? So that's point number two, is their faith 
or I'm sorry, faith is not part-time, okay? So uh, let's do this last point and then we'll finish up so that we have enough time for groups, okay? Point number three, here it is. Faith is not shared. Faith is not shared, okay? I'll come to you in just a minute, Oliver, all right? Um, the reason we're saying this is because um, God does not like to share, all right? In terms of your worship, in terms of your faith, he doesn't want you giving, ha hey, Oliver, Thanks, buddy. He doesn't want you giving half of it one place and then half to another place. God is a very jealous God. He wants all of your faith. The, the analogy I've used before is like, is, is with my wife, right? I'm not going to say, Brittany, I love you, but I kind of want to have this girlfriend on the side here. My wife is never going to say, mm, I'm okay with that. Like she, she would never say this. She would say, no, if you love me, ditch this chick. Like you're, you're just with me, right? Have you guys ever heard of the, eh, this might be kind of weird, all right, but we'll, we'll dive into it. Have you ever heard of the term thruple before? Anybody heard of this term, a thruple, all right? Yes, this is a real thing, okay? This is a real thing. I saw a study on this where a guy, this, a thruple is a couple with three people, okay? Typically a guy and two chicks, all right? Also known as Mormonism, just kidding, all right? But, but, but a thruple is, a, a lot of times it's a guy and two girls, all right? And what will happen is they are a couple, but it's just three of them. So, so they'll do life together, right? They interviewed this, they, they, they hung out with this thruple, and they, they, these guys had a kid, right? And they were just like, man, I love having one dad and two moms. It's great. Like, I get a lot of Christmas presents, right, and all this stuff. And what they found was that this idea for the guy, it sounded great, right? Two wives, this is going to be awesome. And then what they found out was that the wives would get jealous about it. Do you guys think the thruple survived? No, <laughs> they rarely do, okay? Because the thing is, when you are in a relationship with somebody, and guys, let me, again, I'll talk to you guys. When you are dating a girl and you marry a girl, your, all of your love goes to that one girl, right? Girls, all of your love goes to the guy that you marry, all right? And in the same way, when it comes to our faith, God doesn't want us dividing our, our love up, right? A lot of people, a lot of people who claim to have faith are actually in a throuple with God and whatever idol they're worshiping. Okay, let's read, um, let's read 24 to 27. We'll finish with this, all right? Let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. House of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the 40 days in the wilderness? You, but you have taken up Zakuth, your king, and Kaiwan, your star god, images that you've made for yourselves. So I'm gonna send you into exile beyond Damascus. The Lord, the God of armies, in, is his name, and he has spoken. Guys, we've talked about this before. I call this spiritual adultery. Whenever you sin, you're committing spiritual adultery. You guys know what adultery is, right? It's when you're married to somebody, and then you cheat on your spouse. You go somewhere else, right? In this way, you cheat on God anytime you put something in front of him. So what did they do? They put this star God, this other king that they were talking about here, they clearly were putting stuff before God, images that they have made. And God is like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? Like a faith with God is between you and God only. It's, it's nothing else. And so my question for you guys is, when, when it comes to worship, are you committing spiritual adultery? Is there anything in your life that, that you are sharing your faith with? And I'll be honest with you, this, this is a struggle, even if you are a great, great Christian, okay, even if you've been a Christian for many years, this is always a struggle in life. It's always a struggle. You can have kids, right? You can, when, when you grow up and you have your kids, a lot of people put their kids before, God's now, before God nowadays. And it's terrible, right? 
You always put God first. A lot of people put their spouse or their, or, their, or their job or their career, like all of these things, they put before God, which means on the weekends, they're sharing their faith with God. And then outside of church, they're sharing their faith with this other God, lowercase g, all right, that they're worshiping. So guys, what are you sharing your faith with? What, what, what is, or I'm sorry, what is God sharing your faith with? Like, like, is there something in your life that you're putting in front of God that shouldn't be there? God is a jealous, jealous God. And the problem with Israel here, we see it over and over again, is often they committed spiritual adultery. They said, hey, we're Israel. We can do whatever we want. It's fine. We can do whatever we want. And they did all these things. They were part-time believers. And when it all came down to it, they were committing spiritual adultery. And God has had enough. So for you guys in this room, Again, I'm not going to be naive and assume that every one of you guys in here has a great relationship with God. Chances are a lot of you guys do not. And I'm not going to guilt you into it. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I just want to encourage you guys, don't, don't live a part-time faith, okay? Don't, don't be a part-time believer. Don't share your affections with something else. And I'm not saying this out of guilt. I, I don't want to guilt you into heaven. I, just, I want you to know that being a Christian is the most fulfilling thing in life. It really is. Being a Christian, like, like a lot of people kind of guilt people into their faith. They're like, you know, if you, uh, if, if you got all this sin in your life, you're going to go to hell and you're going to rot in hell with the little devils with the pitchforks just stabbing you for all of eternity, right? Like, I, I, let's go a different angle, right? Life, life without God is unfulfilling. There's no purpose. You're just, you're just doing a bunch of stuff that's temporary, right? I want to encourage you guys, live for God. You will be surprised how fulfilled you are when you give your life to Jesus, Okay. So if any of you guys in here are, you know, maybe you're struggling with something, there's some kind of sin that's standing in between you and God, you have a throuple with God and another sin, um, pray about it in your small groups today. Uh, if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ, like you've never taken the time to say, you know what, I, I'm tired of being a part-time Christian or, or I'm not even a Christian at all, like I would love to, to pray, how do I do this? Come talk to me or talk to any of your leaders. I will do that with you. But um, I just want to encourage you guys, uh, live, live for Jesus. You know, have a genuine faith, all right? Is your faith real? That's the question. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll break up into groups, okay? Bow your heads, please. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for, um, for all the people that are here, Lord. I'm just, I'm grateful that, that we have this example of Israel, God, that, that often turned their back on you and appears that they did not have a faith that was genuine. And so God, as we, as we leave here today, my prayer is that, um, is that we can truly assess ourselves, that we can honestly look at ourselves and see, you know, do we have genuine faith? Is our faith real? Are we just living for you some of the time? Do we share our affections with something other than you? Lord, these are all questions that um, won't necessarily be uh, answered today. Like, I mean, we can, we can take the first step today, but this is this really is a process that we're going to be, or, or uh, struggles that we'll be struggling with for our whole life. And so I pray for, for perseverance. I pray for, for courage to stand up and do what's right. I, pray, I just pray for passionate believers in this room, that, that these young people in here can just grow up and live a life for you, so on fire for you, that they find so much fulfillment in, in doing what you've called them to do, God, and not turning to things of this world. God, I love you, and, and I'm just so grateful for everybody that's here today. We, we pray this in your name. Amen.